1: Welcome to episode 76 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Oh, you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Angelica Gorzlany, Sherry Pereira, Anya Niconcourt, Amy Hatcher, Olivia,
0: Patricia Eaglesham, B. Morrissey, Margaret O'Halloran, Claire McMillan, Katie Adamson, Dina Rowe, um, Sarah Scarberry, and Deacon.
1: I would like to say to Deacon, I'm really sorry that your birthday party was cancelled. It's very sad. But happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday indeed.
1: We love you and we are very thankful that you and your mum listened to us. And after this is all over, then maybe you can have your party. But happy birthday. Happy birthday, Deacon. And thank you to Christopher Faust. Uh, To Ms. Benzedrine. To Ryan Woolwine. To Sabrina. To Ollie Green. Beth Jukes, Helena Shack. no. Helena Sack or Helena Sack. Oh, bollocks. I don't know which one it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> one of those two people. Thank you. Uh,
0: Kirsten Culland.
1: Jesse Walker.
0: Katie Morris.
1: And Jordan Bailey. Thank you so much for your Patreon pledges. And we also want to thank another key worker today.
0: Yep. So we'd like to say thank you to Brianna Vela, who is a postpartum nurse in Dallas. Uh, we'd like to say thank you for everything that you're doing in the current situation. And um, from all three of us here but also from your friend Josie who um, wanted us to pass on our thank you for your hard work Um, and we just want to extend that to all of our key worker listeners whether we've read you out in the past or whether we haven't read you out yet or whether you don't want to be read out we just want to thank you for everything you're doing because it makes our lives much better and safer as a result of everything that you do for us on a daily basis so thank you
1: thank you so much so everybody's got a bit more time on their hands Indeed. We're going to be doing a couple of promos in the coming weeks for podcasts that people might be interested in and people might want to check out. And our first promo is for the History Obscura podcast. So Mandy is the host of the History Obscura podcast and she does two episodes a week where she talks about bizarre or unusual cases in history, whether they're events, whether they're people, whether they're time periods. She explores them and discusses them. It's really informative and really interesting to listen to. So have a listen to the promo and make sure that you go and subscribe to her podcast.
0: Hello, welcome to the History Obscura podcast promo. This is where the dark, weird and just plain forgotten stories of the past are dug up, and
1: put on display for your amusement. My name is Mandy, and I'm inviting you to join me every Tuesday and Saturday night for a fun little dip into the depths of yesteryear. Want to know what turn-of-the-century theosophists believed about third-world countries? Or the origin story of EVP and ghost hunting? How about 12th-century UFOs over Ireland? For stories on everything from the Blackbeard Killer to Queen Elizabeth's Scone recipe, join me twice a week at History Obscura, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. So that was the History Obscura podcast. Sounds fun. Our film review this week. Are you ready? Yes. Our film review is The Mothman Prophecies. The Mothman Prophecies was released in 2002. It has 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Go for it. John discovers a sketchpad among his wife's last possessions. Now he is driven to uncover the mystery behind his wife's death and its connection to strange things happening in a town 400 miles away. So what were your thoughts on this classic film?
0: Firstly, I don't normally do this, but I feel like that synopsis puts a little bit too much emphasis on that sketch pad.
1: Massively. And also, he can I just say that he accidentally ends up in the town? Yeah, he
0: does. Like massively. Accidentally. She doesn't leave a map nope. to
1: Point Pleasant. She leaves a picture of a vague looking moth man would yeah. you believe yeah and he accidentally ends up in yeah. Point Pleasant so that is very misleading I feel like
0: they put way too much emphasis on that sketchbook but that aside I thought the film was actually very good I it's been a while since I've seen it and it holds up really well
1: I mean it's almost 20 years old wow which is I mean when you say 2002 I don't think of it being that long ago no but it is so it is it's I'm almost... sure
0: we've got listeners that are younger than that
1: probably oh god <laughs> um one thing I will say is that Richard Gere is probably not coping with social distancing very well.
0: <laughs> I'd say you're right. Because this film.
1: <laughs> he just—he is in everybody's face when he's talking to them. I mean, having normal conversations with people and he's like an inch away from their face. That is not an appropriate way to behave in real life, Richard Gere. Stop it.
0: It's really not. It's not even the distance, though. The thing that got me was like he's constantly speaking into their cheeks <laughs> as if he's going in for a kiss or something, which is really bizarre. And... You can see on the face of the co-actors that I think he's just overstepped the mark a little bit in the script because they're all a little bit like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, it's very strange.
1: It is a very, it's a very strange technique.
0: He's also not an amazing actor.
1: No, he isn't. I've not really seen... Quite to look at. <laughs> I've not really seen him in that many... I know he's in pretty, pretty Woman, but I don't know if I've seen Pretty Woman. I also hadn't seen this, which is probably going to surprise a lot of people because it seems to be like a, a classic. Um... But he's not great, is he?
0: No, I think Pretty Woman suits him because the character in Pretty Woman is a way that sort of suits his style. Oh, Whereas yeah. Whereas this, it was, it was a bit more of a... I think the character's a bit more dynamic and he's just a bit...
1: Oh, he's a bit boring, isn't he? Do you know what
0: happened? I reckon the casting went like this. They went to the author and they were like, right, who would you ever play you in a picture of your life? And he's like Richard Gere. He's a good looking fella. And then that's how we got cast.
1: Apparently the author does not remotely look like Richard Gere
0: you're basing that on kevin yes so
1: i'd like to give a shout out to this because this episode was inspired by kev from we need to talk about ghosts did a paranormal quiz and then brennan from the ghost stories guy ghost story guys did a round on mothman and i was like we need to do a mothman episode you know
0: and i was convinced we've done it but we haven't no we haven't
1: <laughs> i mean we have done a lot of mothman erotica
0: On the Patreon.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. So if Mothman Erotica is your thing, then by all (laughs) means, crack on over to our Patreon. And I have to say, I was very disappointed with the lack of sexy Mothman in this film. Yeah. I was convinced there was going to be at least one Mothman sex scene, and there wasn't.
0: I wasn't. I I was good with it. (laughs) Will Patton is good in this, as he is in all films, I think. I like him as an actor. He does that intensity quite well. But
1: yeah, I, I, I quite liked it. It was kind of loosely based on the trip on the real life story. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a cryptid story, this is this isn't it. No, this ain't it.
0: No, go for Troll hunt or something like that. What was I saying?
1: You said, oh yeah, I loosely
0: based on. It was loosely based on. The true story, but it led you down enough little paths where you sort of, if you know the plot of the story, you made you question whether that was where it was going to go. The big thing I was about to say, will ruin it for everybody, so I'm not going to say that. Now. But it did,
1: it gave yeah. a lot of different avenues as to what Mothman could be and, and our perception of cryptids and otherworldly things i thought i thought it was an interesting film
0: i was a big fan of the jaded professor i love a jaded was professor very jaded, but he was very jaded and, bitter oh, and grumpy. but that's
1: what you need isn't it in a supernatural yeah. film where it's like i've studied this for years and no one listened walks
0: with a cane didn't really need one but no, that's not, just, not yeah, the yeah, point I mean... if i'm a jaded professor in years <laughs> yeah. to
1: come with loads of expertise on a subject that nobody's any interest in i'm walking with a cane because it gives you gravitas it does give you gravitas okay I'm into it.
0: Yeah. No, it was good. It was a good film. I, I rate it and I would encourage people to seek it out, particularly if they like kind of adventure mystery things. It's quite a little good, quite a little good, brilliant English. Yeah. Uh, it's well quite a good Loved little it. film to watch.
1: So what would you give it out of five?
0: Uh, I would give it at least a four. Uh, I don't
1: know if that's really how this works. At least a four.
0: <laughs> a four trending
1: upwards. Okay. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I was I was into this film, but I I feel like Richard Gere was a bad shout. I'm sorry if there's Richard Gere stands out there, but I really don't think he was I'd the am-
0: man for the job. I'd imagine if you stand Richard Gere, it's probably not for his acting ability,
1: and probably not for the Mothman Prophecies no. in particular.
0: <laughs> I think I think there's I think there's a certain sort of like cultish following of Richard Gere from Pretty Woman because of the way that film is written, which I get. But maybe if that's I you seen it, so I and don't you know. haven't seen him in anything else, don't bother.
1: Four out of five from each of us. No, mine's a four plus. Four plus. People have started predicting when I put up the films what, what mark we're going to give it. And I'm fairly sure somebody predicted a four. You were right. You were right. Well I think done. we should start doing it out of a
0: <laughs> That's hard for people to predict. I'm going for 67 this week. 67.5 actually. <laughs> 67 plus. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: So that brings us to our story this week. We're obviously going to be talking about Mothman
0: no, I was kind of hoping we were doing vampires or something.
1: Now, the thing is, right, when I started exploring this, I was fully prepared to be taking the piss massively. I was ready to be, like, laughing, to be messing around. And then the more I got into this fucking story, the more I was like, oh, this is weird. If you want to learn about the physical, like, breakdown scientifically of mothman i absolutely would recommend going listen to super Duperstitious. they do so um, you're going to point
0: them to uh, mated with mothman then <laughs> no would
1: recommend that too though but they would they do a great episode on mothman and they also talk about the phantom of, Ch- of chicago which is like a current series of sightings of mothman and they and the, the there's a guy who runs a website and the website is updated weekly and they do a weekly update of oh word, the phantom chicago kind of and one. it's really they do a really great job in it so i was kind of like oh i could go down that road but they've done it and they've done it really well and then i ended up going down a completely different road so <laughs> you know go and listen to super new so let's go with the original story first okay, of mothman cool the first recorded mothman sighting took place on November the 12th, 1966, in West Virginia. Five men were in a cemetery preparing a grave for burial when they saw something they couldn't explain. Lifting off from the nearby trees was a brown-winged creature. The men held to the fact that what lifted off beyond the trees was no bird. It was humanoid. The creature was sighted in many places across West Virginia and the surrounding states, but the largest number of sightings happened near the old West Virginia Ordnance Works, an area now known by locals as the TNT area. West Virginia Ordnance Works is an abandoned munitions to the north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, that dates back to World War II. The facility, during its operation, manufactured ammunition and dynamite. The surrounding area is mostly forest dotted with numerous grassy clearings and thick concrete domes called igloos that were used to store barrels of gunpowder the area is also riddled with abandoned tunnels most of which have collapsed been sealed off or become flooded with water a wildlife sanctuary McClintock wildlife management now encompasses the area in 1979 Fishermen in the TNT area reported that chemicals had been left to seep into the ponds, causing it to be labelled an environmental disaster. By the year 1983, the TNT area was among the country's most polluted sites. It was here, in the TNT area, on the cold night of November 15, 1966, three days after the first sighting took place that two young couples would encounter this bizarre creature. Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving in Roger's black 57 Chevy Bel Air with Steve and Mary Mallet through the area around midnight when Linda noticed, unbelievably, two large glowing red eyes in the darkness beside the old North power plant and screamed. They soon learned that these eyes belonged to something that looked, frankly, human, about seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. Roger stalled in the road for a minute, inspecting the strange creature. The four realised immediately that their spectacle was no ordinary bird. The true horror began, however, when the creature spread its wings and pursued them down Highway 62 to the Point Pleasant city limits, at speeds exceeding 100 miles an hour. The four arrived in town, startled and confused, and with no sign of the mysterious bird that had chased them. Roger parked his car at the edge of town and they discussed their encounter, eventually deciding that what they saw was nothing more than a giant bird, and in an attempt to face their fears, they again drove towards the TNT area. It wasn't long before they saw the creature again, apparently waiting for them beside Route 62. The couples now realized that their stalker was no bird, but in the instant that the car's headlights landed on the creature, it lifted vertically into the air with tremendous speed and disappeared above the tree line. This time, when they arrived back into town, they went to the Mason County Courthouse, and told their story to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. Two hours later, city police began investigating the area, only to return empty-handed. The next day, a press conference was held, and the local press began printing on the story, causing others to come forward with previous and future sightings. This was a major event that started it all. In the November 16th issue of the Point Pleasant Register, the strange encounter will be brought to the public eye with the headline: "Couple sees man-sized bird, creature, something." The strange encounter in the TNT area was a harrowing experience for everyone involved, and on the morning of November the sixteenth, nineteen sixty-six, Linda Scarberry was rushed to hospital by her father after experiencing a nervous breakdown. On the phenomenon, Roger Scarberry stated, "I'm a hard guy to scare, but last night." I was for getting out of there. This creature would be seen throughout the next 13 months in Point Pleasant, and it was estimated that there were over 100 sightings within this time. Though these are unidentifiable reports, and the actual number of reported sightings may be much lower. Mothman witnesses were also apparently harassed by the men in black, who wanted them not to speak about the creature. The strange sightings all seem to culminate in the collapse of the Silver Bridge on December the 15, 1967. Many similar cryptids and creatures have been seen worldwide. The sightings are similar to Mothman in many ways, including the fact that most of them seem to herald impending disasters. Some of the places Mothman or its fellows have been visited, Include a mine in Germany where a Mothman like creature scared miners away shortly before collapse. Another notable visit was to a nuclear plant in Chernobyl where a creature haunted the facilities for a while before the famous nuclear meltdown. There were also two Mothman pictures taken in New York on 9 11 and multiple sightings before the Minnesota Bridge collapse. Some believe that the Mothman tries to warn people about disasters about to happen such as the Friedberg and Chernobyl sightings listed above. However, since there only seems to be one Mothman instead of a bunch of his kind, and since he seems rather paranormal, these sightings are not of much interest to cryptozoologists who want to discover new kinds of creatures. Mothman is described as a bipedal winged humanoid. Despite his name which was given to him by newspapers, he is in no way mothlike and has an appearance more like that of a large humanoid owl. His coloration varies from black to grey to even brown, although it's usually darker shades. He is often reported to be about 7 feet tall, with a wingspan of about 10 to 15 feet or more, plus the ability to fly at over 100 miles per hour. Sometimes he is described as not having a head, with the two huge red eyes set in his chest. These eyes are reported to be glowing, or at least reflective. The details of his face and his feet have never been adequately described. One witness who saw the face clearly could only say that the details were horrible and monstrous. She had terrible nightmares and nearly suffered a nervous breakdown. Anyone who gets a close look at the Mothman seems to suffer from extreme fear and psychological distress. Sometimes lasting for months or even years afterwards. In particular, people say that a sense of pure evil overcomes them when they see Mothman's eyes. He can fold his wings and walk with a weird shuffle that many witnesses compare to a penguin. When he flies, he unfolds his wings and shoots straight up with great speed, then levels out to go wherever he wants to go. He is rarely observed flapping his wings except on takeoff. Witnesses often describe his flight pattern as straight up like a helicopter. He can fly much faster than any bird should be able to fly, as measured by those victims who suffered from what seems to be Mothman's favourite activity, chasing cars. He'll fly in front of them and even sometimes hit at the roof. There has yet to be any credible physical or photographic evidence to truly support the existence of Mothman. But there have been photos that have been taken and mistaken for Mothman. There's also been some photoshopped images, mostly done for art purposes and not to try and fool anyone. Mothman sightings have been associated with at least two other cryptids. Gigantic thunderbirds with grey bodies and red heads that were sighted in the same area at the same time by a few witnesses and Owlman which is an identical creature with wings and red eyes sighted in Cornwall in England in 1976. Sheriff George Johnson, who the original witnesses contacted, believes that the Mothman may have been a large heron. Wildlife biologist Dr. Robert L. Smith at West Virginia University thought that the Mothman was a sandhill crane, which the newspapers then reported on, but the witnesses completely disagreed. Sceptic Joe Nickel posited owls as the explanation because of their eye shine and their silhouette resembling the headless Mothman. Most modern skeptics seem to agree with Joe Nickel, but the sightings might just be too extraordinary to attribute them to such animals. Two legends from Shawnee Lore mention creatures closely resembling Mothman, deemed Messinewa and Wapi respectively. In the legend of Masinewa, Descriptions of Mothman is indeed similar to Bigfoot. The Woppy legend is also similar in that it's part of Shawnee lore and that a family of Native Americans chose to become White Hawks living in the forest near Point Pleasant. Some believe the Mothman may be an angel, a demon, or the product of a blood curse placed upon the town by Chief Cornstalk, who was murdered along with his son in the area. Similarly, the curse theory is one attached to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. The more likely assumptions, however, like a normal barn owl, have been proposed. Such is the fact the original sighting seems to describe more in line with an illusion during driving, and other sightings could be misidentifications or just calls for attention. Uh, wow. That came from cryptids, by the way. I'll put the link in the description.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting thing. Whatever it is.
1: So as a bird person, you mm. love a
0: good bird... Mm
1: have you ever seen an owl of that ilk or know of an owl of that ilk?
0: So not in the wild because our owls are relatively tiny. They're not tiny, but they're but small. But relative and to a seven foot tall man. Yeah, you wouldn't, if you saw that, you'd go, oh, I wonder what that is. You wouldn't go, oh, it's a flying man because it's not big enough. You get the eye shine. You might get confused, but you wouldn't get the the size of it. But I guess if you look at something like an eagle owl those things oh are, those they're enormous they're quite big but to mistake it for a man you're talking it would have to be the size of a condor and there's nothing like that in america and i just feel like like i said in our video our youtube video i feel like a animal like saying oh they might have mistaken it for a crane or that's an owl is it just a, is, a, is a very cop-out thing for skeptics to say i think
1: and cranes like cranes are massive they are massive. But they don't have that same anatomical structure. Like, they have a very distinct head. They don't have red glowing eyes set in the middle of their chest. And they're also very skinny.
0: No, that's true. But depending on the angle you are, when a crane or a heron takes off, you could be mistaken for that that human shape. Even okay, it's skinny. fair. And I think the crane, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong if you've got good knowledge of cranes, but I think the crane they're talking about has a shock of red on its plumage, just behind its head but i I still just think it's a bit of a cop-out because it wasn't like you know it it all all these people spotted this thing in the build-up to a bridge collapsing and then the bridge collapsed and then there was no more sightings
1: and then also the people in the in the original story of the car they saw it twice yeah and then the first time they said okay it must have been a big bird we're overreacting we need to go back to wherever they were trying to get to and then they saw it again And that makes me think, oh, that's a bit mad.
0: Well, most of those things, when you start them, don't follow you because they're flying to get away from you.
1: Yeah, they don't attack your car and then wait for you on the roadside. I'm going to fucking get them. (laughs) That that big eagle owl go, oh, that's it. I've had enough of this
0: bullshit. People keep coming up here disturbing my sleep. I've had enough. Yeah, I just don't know. I I, I just don't think there's any value in that. Because there'd be more sightings of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there'd be more sightings... Yeah, so if it wasn't... A... More random sightings of Mothman. They always seem to be in a build-up to something. And then you don't see them again.
1: So how about we look at two of those cases? So we're going to look, first of all, at the Freiburg Shrieker, Okay. Which is the German mine that I mentioned in the previous story. Now, I had to use the Wayback Machine to find this story. Do you know what the Wayback Machine no, no is? Idea. What's that. So the Wayback Machine is a way on the internet that you can find old archived sites. So this account that I'm reading from today comes from the Wayback Machine and it's, I'll leave the link in the description but it's an interesting story because not only does I'm not going to do the whole debunking bit of this story but the person who wrote this wrote about the story but also wrote all the possible explanations for what these people saw at the time. Okay. Okay, okay. so I would recommend going and reading this article. Okay. It's, it's interesting. On September the 10th, 1978 Workers at a coal mine in the factory town of Freiburg, Germany showed up for what they thought would be another banal day of working far underground. But what they saw standing between them and their wares was a nightmare darker than the deepest and most isolated shaft. A black figure stood at the mouth of the mine's entrance. From what the workers could see in the rationed early morning light, the form seemed to be wrapped in some sort of cloak or membrane. Perplexed, the miners decided to approach the enigma. But that's when the real horror began. Before the men could get close enough to inspect the shape, the cape unfurled, revealing the body of a great winged creature. The monster then let out a shriek, which the employees would later describe as A sound like 50 people screaming, or a train in peril trying to break at the sight of a twisted rail. Needless to say, the workers backed off, recoiling in horror, and fled the half-open shaft. At which time the creature or being refolded its wings, enveloping its frame and restoring it to its original posture, once again resembling a man in a cape or a trench coat. The men decided to let the mysterious menace make the next move. They waited for over an hour outside the mine, busying themselves with outdoor projects. Finally, at 8am, the workers were taken to the dirt by the seismic rumble of an underground explosion, an eruption which had certainly came from within the very mine into which they had intended to descend. They rushed towards the entrance to see what effect, if any, the combustion had had upon the anomaly, which had so effectively impeded their work progress at sunrise. But they found only smoke, belching from the throat of the mine where the thing had stood. By anyone's count, 21 coal miners would have been at their normal positions inside the death trap, without the creature's intervention. Out of this total, it is a fair estimation that none would have survived the upheaval which had rocked and collapsed the forged halls. As the reports go, just six out of the 21 workers apparently saved by the monster were still working at the mine only six months later. Although this might not seem quite as surprising as other aspects of the story given the macabre circumstances. Two of these men, who had pledged to detail the indisputable facts of the case for the rest of the world, perished suddenly, broke and destitute. Others were plagued by psychiatric problems. Perhaps understandably so.
0: So in this one, the Mothman actually saves them. Yes. Interesting. Now there was a bit of detail to this story that um, set me thinking. (laughs) So I have actually got a theory, but I might save it until I've heard the other story. And it's not bizarre, it's not like a a hidden scroll of birth or anything like that. It's actually like, (laughs) I feel like this theory might actually be quite a good one, so I'll save it. it. But I had a little thought about it based off something you said. But it's interesting that that one actually almost led them to, well, did lead them to safety, didn't it? Not by saying, come with me, the mine's going to collapse, but simply by appearing was enough to catch their intrigue Yes, and and got the miners out of the well.
1: And obviously, if I was going into work some morning and this screaming man beast with wings was in the entrance I wouldn't be going in either yeah I'd be thinking "Now oh, fuck that do you yeah. know what I'm not walking past yeah. you yeah I'll just go home yeah I'm okay with that yeah you yeah, know
0: <laughs> so whereas the one in uh Point Pleasant it wasn't Point Pleasant was it, was it, it was it was Point Pleasant oh, yeah um was just kind of there bopping about wasn't he
1: what well, also seems to be quite um negative yeah. towards people
0: yeah just but just, just signaling the doom, but not really letting them know that that's why it was there. Just just about.
1: Yeah, I kind of. Because this one definitely signaled the doom. Unless. But...
0: Did you have to cross the bridge to get to the TNT in Point Pleasant? No idea. Because if it was. If they were chasing that young couple because they were at the TNT to try and get them back over the bridge. Do you see? It's to try and stop them from going to the TNT in future. That's actually stopping them from going over the bridge isn't
1: oh, it? Oh, maybe. That's a really good point. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I need, to, I need a map of Point Pleasant.
1: Do you want the last story? Yeah, I do. Is so the right? last story is the Blackbird of, Chern- of Chernobyl. Okay. Which comes from unexplainable.net. I feel like, did I have to use the Wayback Machine for this as well? I can't remember. But obviously there was a huge nuclear disaster in Chernobyl um, in the 80s, which the people of Chernobyl and the surrounding areas are still feeling the impact of now to this day. So are you ready? Yes. The Chernobyl disaster was one of the greatest ecological disasters to ever strike the world in the 20th century. With countless lives affected both directly and indirectly by the fallout from the event, the world would soon consider the name of the town itself synonymous with the hubris of mankind and the disasters that can befall us thanks to modern science. But shortly before the fateful events taking place in the Chernobyl nuclear plant a mysterious entity entered the town. One that many to this day say bears a disturbing resemblance to Mothman. After the citizens of Chernobyl were lost and the records were scattered, official investigations into the paranormal events that took place there were difficult and the witnesses were soon lost in the shuffle after the events. But a few documents and stories were recovered that suggested what the creature may have looked like. And those descriptions are almost perfectly a match to those described by witnesses in Point Pleasant in 1966 and 1967. The creature was said to have no head, but was still described with eyes. Large, piercing red eyes were reported by frightened witnesses in cases that ranged everywhere from fevered nightmares to accounts of multiple witnesses, now anonymous as they have been lost to history. The creature was said to have incredible massive wings, easily large enough to give the massive bird purchase in the air and allow it to soar through the heavens and descend before frightening witnesses. Though surviving testimony of the bird suggests the sightings were nowhere near as extensive as the original Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, the Mothman's iconic shape and eyes have been connected to the Chernobyl disaster and it was later dubbed the Black Bird of Chernobyl. Few events in history can be considered anywhere near as troubling as the Chernobyl catastrophe. Many have argued if the disaster in Chernobyl had not taken place, the movement in opposition to nuclear energy would never have gained enough ground to make it a problem. As a result, many suggest Chernobyl doomed clean, cheap energy with the image of fallout clouds spreading for hundreds of miles and contaminating the air and water. And as with the other Mothman sightings, There are those who attribute the disaster itself to the creature, suggesting that the Mothman was responsible at least partially for what happened that day. It should also be noted that there are no surviving accounts of what what many have dubbed the Mothman's nemesis, Indrid Cold, reported at the event. Indrid Cold, also known as the Grinning Man, was said to be the mysterious man who was seen in Point Pleasant asking questions about the creature and apparently hunting it. The scattered reports of Mothman sightings shortly before the Chernobyl disaster begs the question, why would a creature suddenly appear as a bad omen before major disasters strike? And from where did this creature come? There have been numerous theories proposed, but each in turn can offer nothing more than an interesting suggestion. The Mothman and his presence at mankind's engineering disasters are always left unexplainable. Hmm. So there was another story attached to this which was only teeny tiny so I didn't include it. But it was about was it Fukushima in Japan where there was a nuclear disaster? There was a man allegedly who and he was named in the article it wasn't like an anonymous man he said that he was on holidays he saw this incredibly large black winged creature with red eyes had an overwhelming sense of dread and fear he happened to be in fukushima at the time then when he got back he learned of the nuclear disaster so where is he from he was an american man perfect okay go for it you've it got a theory
0: it doesn't mess my theory up so the the Freiburg shrieker the thing that stuck out about that story to me was the wailing okay so there are other forbearers of doom in law that wail yeah. That we have covered before in episodes such as Banshees. Yes. Right? So what if they're the same thing, but they take a different form depending on what is acceptable in your culture? So the Banshee law is a lasting law in Irish culture, right? So it's been around for a while.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been around for thousands of years. And it comes from our ancient warrior lore. Yeah. It's not just born of nothing.
0: Yeah. So... But in Irish culture, it's an accepted thing, right? So you hear the whale. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to die. You Three knocks, someone's going to die. Okay. In America, there's not that same kind of thing in American culture. So what if whatever this entity is that does the forebearing of doom has to take on some kind of elaborate form in order to convince its viewers or it's the people to see it that it is something to take note of? So by becoming a big winged creature which to me sounds very angelic, which would be something that would be a part of American culture, something that would relate to American culture. What if that is the form that it takes, that it has to take in order to get those people to pay attention to it? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So actually all of these entities are the same thing, but they take on a different form depending on where they're warning. Maybe, I don't know, but maybe in Eastern European culture, maybe blackbirds... Are a sign of impending death because there's there's a whole there's whole law around the Tower of London about ravens and that's where
1: yeah and the banshee takes on the form of a raven or a crow yeah.
0: as well so so maybe they're all linked
1: maybe they are like I I just feel like potentially the story of the Mothman or even the film The Mothman Prophecies has a lot to answer for here I can't dismiss a harbinger of death. Just because it's not the one that is in my culture. Yeah. I can't just say, no, there can't possibly be other ones. That's you're ridiculous. you're not dismissive of Banshees. No, all. I'm not dismissive of Banshees. Which is why it would be ridiculous for me to then go, yeah. Mothman. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. I mean, my knowledge of Mothman previously was that he was actually a Mothman. Like, <laughs> I didn't realise he had been seen or apparently seen all over the world. It's really difficult because every... This is one of these stories where every report about Chernobyl every report about Germany they're all so vague mm. there isn't a diary entry that shows it's all hearsay passed down from generation to generation so is it something that has been born even of the film the Mothman prophecies where people have gone they said it the mind, but they said it in the when he meets the Jada professor the Jada professor talks about the, the Blackbird was seen in Chernobyl and the blackbird has been seen in, I can't remember where else he says or if he says the mine in Germany, but he does mention these particular stories. So might it be that people have listened to that and gone, oh, I wonder, and well, then may- applied these stories to things like Chernobyl and various other disasters, who knows?
0: Well, maybe Mothman is taking the form of a giant black bird because the Thunderbird is an amazing bit of law. And that's rooted in Native American history. So maybe the form that we're we're interpreting as being humanoid with wings is actually the thunderbird.
1: I don't know anything about thunderbird.
0: Thunderbird is just it. There's a, there's not the same sort of forebe- doom. And actually, there's 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 a strong possibility it was based off of an actual bird because <laughs> just they had big birds back in the day, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's supposed to be this big black bird, and it's it's a fascinating too much to talk about now really but it's a fascinating bit of native american law so maybe it's that's actually the form it's taking but we're just misinterpreting it because we're not aware of that
1: and there is like i know i keep referencing the film which is really annoying because i can't base this whole bloody lore on a film but in the film the guy does say that the jaded professor he says well it what if this thing appears in different ways to different people you know what if it's like did he actually say that yeah he does i
0: feel like i've made my theory for based on my theory for that one (laughs) he did say it
1: um he says that they're like walking through some sort of city square and he's like what if it appears in different ways to different people with along with the chernobyl lore there's also people reported getting really terrifying phone calls as well of like voices and you know and that plays a part in the film too so i don't know how much the film maybe has attributed to the lore around chernobyl at, at the very least so I, I'm not or sure. maybe it's
0: picked all the bits to make a film.
1: Yeah, or maybe that's the other side of it, that they've yeah. picked up all the different bits of the lore to make a film. Because, you know, in, in pretty much all cultures, there are creatures that herald death, yeah. depending on, on what her- that creature is. is.
0: Like herald like an ancient thing, isn't it? But interestingly, do you want an et- etymology lesson quickly? Yes, I do. So I was doing a little bit of research, because I keep saying harbinger of doom, don't I, all the time? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and apparently that word only took on that meaning in like the 19th century during the whole the end is nigh thing. And that's when it became a harbinger of doom. Normally it was a harbinger of spring or of harvest or something like that. And originally, the original source word is actually harbourer of someone that would take someone in in the 12th century in the middle of the night. And it's just.
1: No way. But that happens so often. Mm. Like in, so in, in Irish Catholicism, lots of our things that we celebrate come from paganism and they've just warped and adapted over the years.
0: But it was a specific type of person that used to have a dwelling that was open at in the dead of the night that would take travellers in. It was known as a harbourer, which was called a harburger, a I think in the original old English. And that's changed into harbinger. So bringing something in. So it was added in the 17th century to things like spring and harvest, like positive things. Yeah. And then in the 19th century, when everybody got a bit obsessed with the apocalypse and the end of the world, <laughs> it got attached to doom. And that's where it comes from in R.
1: That is that's really fascinating. That's
0: negative tone in our language.
1: That's really fascinating.
0: Etymology with then. Oh, I love it. Is it etymology is the right word? Yeah. Oh, good. Because that would have ruined the whole thing if I'd been using the wrong word. Wouldn't etymology it? <laughs> is the
1: history of worries, okay. isn't it? Or the study of, yeah. of where words come from. So I don't know how I feel about Mothman is my long and short of it, really. I think it's fascinating. I, loved, I love death culture in, in different countries and in different societies. I think death culture is fascinating. I so, think you
0: just think it must be a thing, though. Because it's evidenced, isn't it, that around Point Pleasant, all these people were reporting this thing, right? It's not just made up.
1: No, people were reporting yeah. it. And in Point Pleasant, like, have you ever seen the Mothman statue in Point
0: Pleasant? <laughs>
1: it's very muscly. He's got a lovely bum, the Mothman statue. Laugh what
0: Brendan said in the quiz. Brendan, yeah, so it was the, like... The statue for the Mothman is in the centre of town and the memorial to the bridge disaster is shoved down the side of a bank, in you know, in...
1: Uh, bizarre, she... bizarre. But so, and I, and I, you know, there's, there's some people who, who kind of claim that the whole Mothman story was made up by the people of Point Pleasant who wanted to get some tourist traffic into the area. But I feel like that's a very long-term goal Goal. like that's not something that happens immediately and to build up a legend is like that's really forward thinking so i don't know i don't know how i feel about
0: it do you think there's a link between mothman and that hipster time traveler
1: (laughs) i know who you're talking about but loads of people won't
0: (laughs) there's a photo there's a famous photo of a so-called time traveller that looks like he's wearing like 60s hipster clothes just just google
1: hipster time traveler and you'll see the photo um do i think there's a link between those two no oh. and i also want to say that i mentioned nine eleven in the story because it the link between mothman and nine eleven is non-existent so i'm not even going to entertain that i oh, was
0: really good i was going to do the vine then but i'm glad i didn't
1: i don't know what the vine was going to be but okay
0: dick cheney <laughs> <laughs> would you like some new reviews yes Please stop me now.
1: So our first review comes from Lincoln73 who said Spooky and Supernatural with a dose of comedy. I came across this podcast looking for a ghost podcast and it's excellent. Dan and Emma are great hosts and you it's always good to hear Emma do her podcast voice.
0: <laughs>
1: As if I have a podcast voice. Review number two comes from Erica Guy who says love, love, love. I've now caught up on all the episodes so I don't know what to do with myself. Now I wish I wouldn't have gone through them so fast. Anywho, I drive a lot and you guys keep me entertained and creeped out while I'm on the road. So glad that my sister put me onto this podcast. It is my absolute fave with love from California. California. And finally, there's a review that is entitled Just for Dan from DZDZDX. I feel your pain, Dan. (laughs) You don't get the reviews you deserve. But it changes here. From one guy to another, you are a strong independent man who has an amazing accent. (laughs) I love your reviews. Emma, eh, she's all right. (laughs) Only joking, both of you are amazing. Keep it up. Thank you so much for those reviews. I'm loving it. So if you have enjoyed this week's episode, we will be doing more explorations of Mothman on YouTube this week. So if you want to see some of those famous pictures of Mothman, Were we? Yes, we are. Oh my good! If you want to see some famous pictures of Mothman um, and see Dan's reactions to them, then you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Our first episode went live this week and it was the Fresno Nightcrawlers.
0: And I will try and get everything in frame properly this time.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't worry about it. Everybody
0: keeps saying to me it's really not a problem, but...
1: But for Dan it is. It is a problem for me. (laughs) It's it's just one of those things, isn't it, where when it's a personal project and you're like, no, this this has to be.
0: Like, why did I sit off the screen? <laughs> who knows, babe?
1: Who knows? And thank uh, you to everybody who was really positive about our YouTube video as well. Like, it's just another project for us, really, and we really appreciate all the lovely it's comments. Me upskilling about
0: it. myself in quarantine times and making me feel like I actually do something to our little venture because normally I just sit here and chat to rubbish.
1: <laughs> so thank you, and please go and subscribe. The link is in the description. Also, if you want to buy some merch there it's not just ours it's other artists who will be benefiting it's not really us so the link for all of our merch is in the description too if you want to join us on instagram you can do so at real life ghost stories and you can find down on instagram
0: at 50p movie club
1: if you want to join us on facebook you can like our facebook page real life ghost stories podcast and we have a super group which is r l g s super group and the password is Emma and Dan
0: and tiny bims if you want to put her into
1: you can find us on twitter
0: at real ghost pod
1: you can send us your spooky stories to reallifeghoststoriespodcast podcast at gmail.com I
0: finally learn it i was gonna do it for this week
1: you can send us your spooky stories <laughs> no, it's too late. Late.
0: <laughs> it's too late you go Carry on. <laughs> i'll do it next time
1: <laughs> and finally if you want you can subscribe to our patreon Where for $5 a month, you get an extra spooky episode a week. And for $2 a month, you get the complete back catalogue of 50p Movie Club, which is... Uh,
0: A little side project podcast um, with me and Dave Keene as the current host. And it was previously Will Will of China fame. Um, And (laughs) we get 50p movies from the CEX 50p section. And we watch them and they're normally quite bad. And then we talk about them. And yes.
1: And all of the links are in the description of this episode. And on that note...